and welcome to Show and Tell with Christopher Biggins. This is the podcast where I invite one of my friends to show off three things that tell a story from their lives. So in this podcast, I'll ask my guests to show off their most prized possessions and take me through the stories of why they mean so much. Big or small, new or old, their selections are completely up to them. So without further delay, it's time to welcome our next show and teller, Tony Blackburn. Tony Blackburn could be considered the original radio disc jockey. He started his career at pirate radio stations, Radio Caroline and Radio London, before becoming the first DJ to broadcast on BBC Radio One, whatever that is. In 2002, he became the first ever king of the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here jungle. And to this day, he still presents on BBC Radio. Hello, Tony. How are you doing? Very well, thanks, Biggins. Uh, describe, I mean, it's been a strange year and a half, hasn't it, for all of us? But uh, come through it. I'm, uh, I, I'm with my wife. We've been together, you know, 28 years, and uh, this last year, 24-7, and we're still talking to one another. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that says something. I know the feeling. I mean, Neil and I have been... We, we enjoyed the first uh, lockdown. We've, well, that was great fun. And now the second one was really boring. And now I don't know quite where we are. I mean, <laughs> and I certainly don't, wouldn't want to travel. I wouldn't go to abroad any, anywhere. No, I'm, I'm like you. We've been going down to uh, Devon and Cornwall, just little breaks. And I think you've yeah. done the same, haven't you? Which yeah, exactly. Is, Fabulous. Which is lovely. And I shall still keep my face mask on uh, because at my age now it suits me. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm quite happy with it. <laughs> uh, wait, do you remember when we first met, Tony? Oh my goodness me, a long, long time ago. It's, it is a long time ago. Was it? A, was it a, a television we met? On I think it was. I think it was a TV program, and then I met you several times, of course, in various restaurants and things yes, like that. And socially, yes. And so it's uh, yeah, we've known one another a long, long time now. Yeah. Now, for this podcast, I asked you to bring along three objects that mean something to you in your life. And uh, let's go with the first one. Well, the first one, I, I'm going to describe it to you. It's, uh, it was presented to me uh, for 17 years service for a particular radio station. And uh, it has a record in a lovely frame. And it's got, thank you very much indeed for 17 years. This was when I was being dispatched from this radio station. And uh, I got this lovely, lovely uh, sort of plaque thing. Uh, I pre personally preferred another year's contract, but nevertheless, it was very nicely, <laughs> nicely received. And I have it hanging on my wall. So that, that's, the, uh, that's the thing. It's a record. In a case. Uh, so is it, is it a gold record? No, it's not a gold record. No, it's not a gold record. It has the Radio 1 signature on, not on the record, but uh, in the presentation thing. And ah, so it, it was from Radio 1 then? Yes, it was from Radio 1, yes. <laughs> yes, it yeah, was. Right, good. Yes, it was. They're nice, those sort of things. So, it, 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 but you're back with the BBC now, aren't oh, you? Oh, yes, yeah, I'm in Radio 2 now. Uh, shall, I, shall I tell you what it is? Yes, do. It's the first record I ever played on Radio 1. It's Flowers in the Rain by The Move. And oh, no. And they, yeah, they presented it to me. And, and so I've got it hanging on the wall, the very first record I opened up Radio 1 with, which uh, is quite a memory for me. And I, I have it hanging on the wall there. Uh, opposite, a picture of uh, Radio London, which was a pirate radio ship I was on after Radio Caroline. So the, 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 the one reminds me of where I came from. And, uh, you know, because uh, that's what we, we altered the whole of... 
broadcasting in radio in those days, you know, in 64 to 67. And then the other one was uh, opening up Radio 1, where we went again back into a monopoly uh, for a short time before commercial radio came along. You know, when you did Radio Caroline and uh, on those ships, did you get ill? No, I was very lucky. I mean, some of them got seasick. I love rough seas, uh, so it doesn't bother heard, me very I've much. I've heard that about you. <laughs> <laughs> A bit of rough, I know, before you say it. And, uh, <laughs> so, no, no, I, um, I, w- I was very happy out there. I was out there for three years, two years on Radio Caroline, in which time we got shipwrecked off the coast of Frinton and uh, in a 10-force gale. So, I'm no. one of, yeah, I'm one of the very few people that have, have actually been shipwrecked. And we were shipwrecked into, we were taken off by Breach's Boy, uh, by the lifeguards, you know, we were, and um, in this very, very uh, f- f- terrific gale, and into the hands of the local police, who said, we love your programmes at Radio Caroline. They gave us a cup of tea and sent us home. <laughs> <laughs> When you were doing Radio Caroline, did you sleep on board? Oh yes, we were. We went out from Harwich. We were because officially we were on our way to Holland, and in those days it was three and a, three and a half miles out or three miles out in territorial waters, and we flew under the Panamanian flag, and uh, the, the government couldn't do anything about it because we were in territorial waters. If they'd boarded the ship, it was like declaring war on Panama, so they left us alone. <laughs> and um, so we lived out there for two weeks at a time, and then came off for a week. And that's the way we did it for a whole three years. And I loved every single moment of it. Absolutely adored it. When you came off, Tony, how did you get off? Uh, we came off our little tender boat. We went out from Harwich on a little tender boat that took us out there. And then it came back. It used to come out every day delivering records that the record companies always said that they didn't supply us with. But, of course, they did. And, and, and all the food and everything, they bought it out. So we looked forward to that every day. A little tender boat came out. And um, it was just lovely. I mean, it was three years of my life. And uh, I would, you know, I'm so grateful to it. And it was just terrific. I loved it. What an adventure. I was only 21 years old. Marvellous. Absolutely marvellous. I mean, thrilling. Yes. Absolutely thrilling. It was. I, I mean, it, do you think it, uh, well, it obviously did start the t- trend for Radio One to mm. be, you know, uh, the, the the top radio station at, the, at, at which followed you. I mean, yes. it was uh, yeah, it was extraordinary. How many listeners did you get on Caroline? Um, oh, I don't know how many listeners we actually got. We got an enormous amount of audience and uh, terrific response. We did a uh, a thing I remember called the Caroline Cash Casino, where people had to send in labels from uh, particular brands of uh, tins that they got, and we had so many, so much response. We could hardly get in the building you know so the response was enormous but audience wise a terrific audience i think and not only in this country but in holland and belgium as well but Radio Radio 1, when I opened up Radio 1, um, I was getting, uh, there was nothing else to listen to, actually, about 21 million people every morning. It's enormous. 21 yes. million. Yes, yeah. Tr- incredible. The record yeah. you chose, why did you choose that? That was your first record you ever played, was it? It was, yes. Uh, the first record I played on Radio 1, the first record I played on Radio Caroline, nearly 57 years ago now, was uh, Ragdoll by the Four Seasons. But I opened up Radio 1 with Flowers in the Rain by the movie because it's got a lovely crashing noise at the beginning and it was a hit at the time so I thought that was a good one to start off with and um, uh, you know the, the, the move certainly uh, it, it helped them and it helped me as well and it, uh, it was a wonderful uh, opportunity you know to, to open up uh, the first national radio station somebody said to me 
it wasn't so much a program that first day, it was a career. And they said, that, <laughs> you know, that, that is something. And it's proved to be that, you know, it's been uh, wonderful. Yeah. I, I, you know, I really enjoyed the first few years at Radio One very much. Before you became uh, an iconic disc jockey, oh. you, what was the first record you ever bought? Oh, my goodness me. I think it was, um, let me see, uh, Cool Water by Frankie, Frankie Lane. Yes. I think it was Frankie Lane, Cool Water. I think that was the one, yeah. All day I've said the da 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 Cool Water. Yeah, Frankie Lane was, yes. I, I, I asked that because I'm going to tell you what mine was. Mine was, uh, you're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush. <laughs> Max Bygraves. Max Bygraves, yes, exactly. And uh, it was wonderful. I bought it. It was, it was a, a single, but it was a big record. Hmm. It was wax, I think, you know, with that, you know, and it was, it was so, and I, and I think I was a child, but it was a, a wonderful thing and I loved it. My mother gave me the money and I went out and bought it. Fabulous. Those were the days when you actually bought a record in a shop, you know, the vinyl and everything like that. But uh, now it's all downloading and things like that, which I actually rather like. You know, I do like it. Yeah, it it is good downloading. But I I used to love going. I mean, my favourite shop in London was on Piccadilly, the big music shop on the corner there. HMV. HMV. HMV, yeah, I used to go in there as well. So wonderful. I mean, it was huge. And there were several on Oxford Street, I think, too, Um, Yes, Re- record shops. Yes, they've gone. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but now you don't have them, do you? Well, no, and and it was in the days when I mean I I used to do the top forty on Radio One as well, the top forty rundown, and uh, in the days when people were excited. But I mean now nobody knows and nobody cares what's number one in the charts because they they hardly sell anything anymore. Anyway, it's all on downloads, and they they compile a chart by what people have listened to a lot of the time, which seems very odd. And and top of the pops that went years ago, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah, we um, uh, there was one show which uh, about five of us were on, and we closed uh, Top of the Pops down, and then it came back again on, on a Christmas Day, and they did a few Christmas ones. But I think with the advent of music television, you know, they, all the music TV channels we got now, it, it just suddenly became dated, and it wasn't uh, people weren't well. In fact, um, I remember somebody saying to me, "Why are they closing down?" Uh, top of the post. I said, well, the, the audience has gone. You know, there's no audience there. If people had continued watching it, it would still be there. But of course, you've got all these MTVs and now 70s channels and things like that. I mean, I, I think we, we are lucky, Tony, in our careers, because I remember with television, you know, we, we used to get 20 million viewers for a television series. Oh, yes, yes. You know, easily. And because there were, A, there were no other channels, but that's what we did. And now, of course, any TV company is thrilled to get 4 million. Oh, even less than that sometimes. Even less than yeah. that, yeah, I know. It's, it's fascinating. We really did appeal to millions and millions and millions of people. And I think that's why we're still here. Well, I think yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, we did something right. And I think the... Um, I think also as well, of course, um, unlike uh, today, you could make a name for yourself immediately, couldn't you? If you went on one of your TV shows uh, and and got this amazing audience, everybody knew you. You know, you were going to half half of the country, you know, immediately in that one program. But now, of course, it's much more difficult. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I also, I'm so pleased I started when I started because I think it was, they were good times. Now, I mean, not, I'm not a comedian, but I'm funny, but I'm not a comedian. But I, I just feel now to be a comedian must be horrific. (laughs) 
Oh, yes, be- yes. Because there are so many things you can do and so many things you can't do. And you must feel that, too, on radio. You, you've got to be very careful. Are you, are you constantly aware when you're doing a show about what you can say and what you can't say? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I did probably one of the best shows I ever did was on Radio London. It was a soul show because I love soul music. And uh, it was a very over-the-top her show you know i was chatting people up and uh the stuff that i could do then in the 80s this was i couldn't do it now you know you just offend everybody the whole time yeah i mean we're in that age aren't we you've got to be so careful what you do what you say in the social media world so it's not funny enough uh broadcasting wise i don't know if you agree chris that it's it's not as easy to broadcast as it used to be no, it's not at all. Not at all, because you have to. You're constantly thinking about what you're about to say next. Yes, yeah. Whether you can say it or not, you know. Mm. I mean, but uh, it, it. But I, I, there. Are t- I mean, when you think of Benny Hill. Oh. I yes. mean, it, it, <laughs> who we loved, but I mean, he would, never, he would never be able to be on television. Not now. Not now. He wouldn't no. get. He wouldn't get away with it. But we all loved him. Mind you, we had wonderful shows like you. I mean, the one that you were in, particularly Porridge. And things oh, like that. Porridge, I mean, that yes. was. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think the comedy shows of uh, of the past uh, are a lot better than the ones they. I don't know. The writers seem to be have got oh, it right, I don't they? Couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, we, we. I was involved in all the Doctor series. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you know, they were all such brilliant series. You know, it was they were wonderful. They were. They're one of the things to work on nowadays. I I find it very difficult to laugh at comedy. I mean, there's some wonderful shows on nowadays, but I do think the comedy, uh, like Faulty Towers and Porridge and things like that, they yeah. were just tremendous. And you can watch yeah. them over and over again. I mean, I I watch uh, Porridge. It's it's on a lot of the time, and I I yes. always watch it. And there's always an episode I. I thought I'd seen them all, but there's one that comes up, and I think I haven't seen that one. Yeah, and we didn't do that many, you know. I mean, no. it wasn't they weren't. It wasn't years and years and years. So I'm always amazed with uh, Forty Towers. They they only did about twelve, I yes. think, or something. Yeah. You know, but that was so funny. And also, you know, when you think of Penny Keith and uh, Paul Eddington and Richard Bryars and Felicity Kendall doing uh, the, to the Manor Born, you know, not, not to the Manor Born. Um, well, they What's did do called? to the Man Born, but it was yeah, um, but that was the, later, good, the good the life, first, the good life, the good life, the good life. I mean, it was just wonderful, absolutely fantastic. So, Tony, now uh, let's go to your next item, and perhaps a couple of clues you might like to give me for you. Okay. Well, once again, it is a uh, a frame. This is a framed picture. This is a framed picture with an autograph on it, and it says, "Tony, have a lovely life." And it was a photograph I had taken when I went to see a concert of um, one of my real heroes, and I, who I got to know, actually, funnily enough, by Top of the Pops. I got to know him very well. So uh, that's it. So you've really just, it's a bit difficult for you, Chris. You've got to guess the, the actual artist. Now, I love soul music. Yes. So it is a soul music artist. So that's a clue. Yes, and he's been with us practically all our lives, starting off as little somebody somebody little someone uh, not little richard no little stevie wonder yes it's a picture i've i've got with little stevie wonder shaking his hand and uh, he he sent me this photograph uh, that he'd had taken and it just says tony have a lovely life 
And um, I, I got to know him very well in Top of the Pops. So I used to go into the dressing room uh, before the show if he was on, and he always had this electronic organ there. And he was bashing out these numbers. I remember once he, he said, um, what do you think of this? And it was he just went, ding, 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 ding. And I thought, <laughs> and I thought that's fine. And then about, about uh, uh, six months later, I heard this record, da, 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 da. and I thought, that's I Was Made to Love Her. And um, I thought, where did I hear that? And, it, of course, it was in the Top of the Pops uh, studio. And his, in his dressing room. So he used to always, he was always on the electronic organ. And I thought Stevie was great. And we, we became uh, very, fr- you know, f- great friends. Uh, when I say great friends, whenever he was at Top of the Pops, I always went in to see him. And we had lots of chats and everything. And he was great. I have to say, you've chosen someone who I absolutely adore. I mean, and I yes. love yeah. all his music. And also that infectious smile that he has. Mm. You know, which is is so wonderful, and he's he's brilliant. He did something wonderful, Chris, and this is amazing. This is absolutely true. I when I was at Radio London doing the Soul Show that I was doing there, I came up with the idea of doing a thing called the Radio London Soul Night Out, where we took it to a venue, and uh, I, I I thought, you know, we, we'll take the show out and we'll have artists on there. We'll broadcast a, a bit of it, perhaps uh, you know, an hour every evening, uh, once a week, and we went to the National Club Kilburn. And uh, the management at Radio London said, do you think anybody's going to turn up to this? And I said, well, I don't know. (laughs) They said, well, we can't. So they said, um, you know, we can't lose money. We can't, you know, waste the license fee and everything. So I said, well, how much do you think it would cost you to put it on? So in those days, they said something, I think it was about £500. So I said, well, I really want to do this. So I wrote them out a cheque. For no. five hundred pounds, yeah, no. they took they tore it up and they said, "Okay, if you're so confident, then we'll do that." It held two and a half thousand people, the National <laughs> Club Kilburn, uh, on the night. Over five thousand turned up, and I couldn't get in. And so, <laughs> but this was the amazing thing, Chris. When I was on stage doing the show, we had Dave Pierce, who at the time was in charge of getting the artists on and off. He came out in the middle of the show, and he said, he whispered to me, "Stevie Wonder's here." And I said, what do you mean Stevie Wonder's here? He said, he just wants to come on and say thank you for playing Motown Records. And he said, can he come on? And I said, my God, get him on. And he came on just to say thank you. It was oh, wonderful. Oh, God. The audience must have gone wild. Yeah, well, well I do. I didn't, know, I didn't know he was coming. Just out of the blue, he happened to be in town. He heard the show was on and he turned up. Just oh, to say fantastic. thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. What does he do now? He's still writing, isn't he? He's still writing and singing? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think how, old, he, uh, how old is he now? Oh, golly, I don't you I don't know. I mean I'm seventy eight, so I think he's he's younger than I am. He must be in his seventies. I don't know. But he had a little bit of health problems about two years ago, but he obviously um, has got over that. And um, I think he hasn't come over here for a time, but nobody has. Well, we che- we've checked it, and he's 71. 71. I th- oh, yeah. is that? I thought he was about 75, but 71, yeah. Yeah, and he's, uh, uh, I'm older than him, I'm 72, so he better do what we say, I think, because we're the, we're the senior ones in this relationship. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel your age... No, I don't. I don't. I really don't. Mentally, I don't feel it. Sometimes when you get up in the morning and the body, you know, the bones are hurting a little bit. And I have a slight sciatic nerve problem. So sometimes I have to uh, be a bit careful, you know. But um, no, I don't feel mentally any uh, 78 at all. No, no, nor do I. It's just the body. Is. I, yeah. no, I mean, you're very young. I think it's the way you... 
you know, you're very young in your outlook and, and all the rest of it, and that's well, the yes, secret, and I, isn't it? And I think we enjoy ourselves, we enjoy our lives, we're very good, lucky to have good partners, you know, to go to life yes. with, which is good. Um, life is great. I mean, the only thing is that I think we've dealt with this a little bit before, is I don't, I, I'm happy that I lived when I did. Yes. You yeah. know, I mean, that, that the early part of the life was fantastic for us. I mean, there were just so many wonderful things happening. We could do whatever we wanted to do, and it was it was very exciting life, really good. Yeah, I, th- I think the 60s was particularly exciting, you know, everything that happened there, and um, the freedom and the fun. It was fun, wasn't it? And, of course, we missed the world wars as well. Um, I mean, I well, I was there for two two years of the World War, but I was only two years old, so I don't remember it. <laughs> but but, uh, but this pandemic is the first thing we really had to deal with in our lives, so we're quite lucky, aren't we? It is, it is, and uh, and it's nowhere near like uh, a, a war. A war is just terrifying. And, you know, sometimes I look at the news now. You know, I just you can't, we can't comprehend things like that. You know, it's it's extraordinary. I can never understand when I watch the news, and I can't understand human beings in the middle of a pandemic still going to war. I know, and I, I just can't understand that. It just makes me feel, oh my god, what are we doing? I know, and it. I mean, also if we go back to the Second World War I, I, and the First World War, you know, when what must people have felt when their loved ones? People they just married were, were seen to be going off and they knew they would never come back. Yes. I mean, my, I, I remember my, mo- my mother was a wren and she said, uh, no, she wasn't a wren, she was a, a rack. Is it, was it called rack? Uh, the, the Air Force. Uh, Air, yes. Yes. And she said she, they would be at the camp and she saw all these young men fly off in uh, aeroplanes, then she knew that they would hardly come back. Now, that must have been just terrifying. I mean, I, uh, in a strange sort of way, this, I mean, this thing that we're going through now, it's, it's a war with, so, with something you can't see, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, it I is. think we've all had, my, my sister passed away with COVID in March. And, um, you know, it's a difficult thing to come up with because we couldn't be there. For her, so I think a lot of families have suffered with this, haven't they? You haven't been able to see their relations, and when their relations, like my sister, got unwell, I couldn't go to the hospital, I couldn't see her, and so it's been tough. But not, as you say, like a world war when you know you don't know if you're going to be bombed and you don't know if you're going to be alive the following day. That must have been dreadful. How old was your sister? Uh, she was seventy-three. Uh, no, sorry, I'm, I'm lying. Seventy-five. She's, uh, yeah, she's three years younger than I, I, I am. So she was seventy-five, and she was, uh, she was disabled, and uh, she was never been able to walk actually, and she was beginning to lose her sight, so she wasn't in good condition. But uh, she got this dreadful um, disease, and um, she was released from hospital, and uh, she didn't survive very long at home, you know. But when she came out of hospital, we thought she was all right, but uh, she obviously wasn't. Oh, no. so mm. sad. Right, well, we're going to have a a quick break now um, and then we'll be back with your last item and my first item. So I'll see you in a minute. So welcome back, Tony, and uh, it's my turn now to talk about my item and I'm I'm going to give you some clues. We share this item. What, you and I? You and I share this item. Yes. As we speak now. 
Um, oh dear. <laughs> uh, that's difficult. Uh, tremendously good-looking men. You're talking. You're talking about your. You're talking about your head. Is that it's, it? Exactly. Now, I'm also talking about what you might wear on your head. Oh, headphones. No, 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 no. What? What else might you wear on your head to help you? To help you. To help. Um, you. Glasses. 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 Well done. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, do you wear glasses all the time now? No, no, I don't. I, I wear them for reading and I wear them for uh, just looking at uh, computer screens. But um, my distance uh, side is OK. Not too bad. Not as good as it was, but it's not bad. But I just wear it for reading, reading glasses. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I've been uh, I've sort of famous now for wearing glasses. Um, and at one particular point, uh, I was uh, a company sent me some glasses. And in the end, this company sent me 450 pairs of glasses, <laughs> which, which was every colour of the rainbow. I can't tell you. All sorts of different designs. And in the end, it was awful because I'd get up late, I'd quickly j- jump into the shower and dress and then go out. And in the car, I looked in the mirror and realised I was clashing with everything, with the, <laughs> with the colour of the glasses. So it was a bit of a nightmare, but I did have all these glasses. And in the end, I thought, this is the end. I had special drawers for them. And, 450. You know, 450 pairs of glasses. I mean, it wow. was ludicrous. <laughs> And so I, um, I, I, I also I used to buy them occasionally because there was a wonderful shop in New York where you could go in in the morning, take your prescription and choose the lens and go out in the afternoon having spent something like $15. So I bought a lot then when I was there. But I, th- it became too much then. And uh, but I, I do. And I, then I got into contact lenses. Uh, in fact, funny enough, there was th- this uh, eye shop in New York was called Cohen's. And Cohen's went over to contact lenses and they used to have people come into the shop, order a pair of contact lenses, and they go to pick them up and they try them. And then the, the assistant would say, well, go outside, sir or madam, and, and see, look down the road. You can see how wonderful you can see. They went out, out, out and said, yes, it's wonderful. And then run away, not having paid them. <laughs> so they had, they had to put a stop to them. Uh, but uh, I now have a, a couple of girls who are brilliant called Lynn and Natalie in Cookfield who supply my glasses. And I, I do love glasses, I must say. Uh, and I, I, I rather like the pair. They, they sent me these recently. They're rather good. Uh, they make they're me look nice. sort of intelligent, don't they? You know. They, they, well, you are intelligent. Uh, they make you look even more intelligent. Yeah. Unfortunately, mine don't have the same effect. But uh, there you go. Well, I don't know. It, funny you should talk about spectacles, though, because I was in... We used to be, when I was at Radio London, with uh, Marylebone High Street, at Marylebone High Street. And I remember there was... A woman there, uh, an American woman who who came up to me. I was just in the street, and she said, "Hello, are you Robert Redford?" And I said, <laughs> and, I, "And I said, no, 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 I'm not." She said, "Oh, I thought you were." And then she disappeared into Specsavers. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's very funny. Uh, right. Well, I think we've come time now for your third and final item. Right. Now, this is this item of mine is something that, once again, we sort of in a strange sort of way share as well. I think you'll have one of these. Ah, right. Yes, go on. Uh, once again, we're talking about he- he- something on the head. Yes. 
And it's something that you probably got from Australia. Yes, I know exactly what it is because we are, you're the first ever champion. It's my I'm a celebrity hat that we all wore. There it is. Marvellous. I brought mine back with me. Did you bring yours back? No, I, I, I got my um, uh, stolen on, on the first day I won it, funny enough. No, really? it, it went long. But I did bring back that mace, that wooden mace. Do you remember? Oh, we, they... were, we were never given one of those, no. Ah, and I've got one. that framed outside, yeah. uh, which, uh, of course, the jungle. Now, the first must have been terrifying doing the first season. Well, I, I loved it. I, I mean, we didn't know what we were getting into uh, because we hadn't obviously seen the show, so we didn't understand what it was all about. Um, but it was it, it was unusual, yes. I mean, we, we didn't have to fly in like they do now, and it wasn't so dangerous. And I think the things you had to do and eat um, were, were far worse than we had to do. Uh, and I remember the, the very first time we had one of those trials. I don't remember them saying to us when we went in there that we were going to have to do trials, bush tucker trials. <laughs> I mean, I think they just said, I thought we were just going to sit around a fire and talk nonsense for two weeks. And I remember Tara Tomkinson going in and do, she did the very first trial. And she said, do you know, I went into a box and they threw bugs at me. And, and I remember saying, oh, it must have been a mistake. You know, we had no idea they were going to do that. I don't think they told us that. But, I mean, I didn't have to eat any of that stuff because I'm a vegetarian, and I told them that before I got in there. Uh, right. So uh, I didn't have to eat that stuff. But, I mean, what you had to do and eat, I thought was amazing. Absolutely. And you did it so well. And, of course, you, you won as well. Oh, as you won. We're two yes, kings uh, here, two kings, two kings of the jungle. <laughs> I have to say to you too, I absolutely loved every moment. In fact, mm. when people say to me, what is the best thing you've ever done in your life, your career? I always say the jungle because to, to be honest with you, to, to win with the public voting for you is quite something. I mean, I think that what makes it so special. I agree. Uh, but it, it was it was just everything about it. I loved. Mm. I loved. I mean, I the, you know the, the, even the things I had to eat. I, I you know it was it was amazing and funny and uh, mm. and you know it was just it was wonderful. I just loved it. And the, 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 did you do the penultimate? Uh, when there's just four of you left, and you have to do that, go up that ramp. They pour water on you, and they no, we didn't, we didn't you, have that. You didn't they, do that. No, they hadn't, they hadn't uh, invented that one. No, we just, uh, right. I just had to do a, a, a final t- a test, which wasn't too bad, and then came out after it. But I think you, all those of us who've been in there who enjoyed it, you come away with a different experience, don't you, of life? You, you really do. You really do. And it, it, the experience of life, I think, is the fact that there are only uh, 10 of you. Yes. Uh, and it gets less and less every sort of day as, you ha- as people leave. But it, it's good to, I mean, I, I think you think, I thought a lot when I was in there. And because there's nothing else to do, is there? No, there I mean, is you can't. There's, you can't. There's no books. There's no television to watch. Nothing. So you think about yourself, and you think about life, and you think about your friends and your lovers and your, you know, partners. It's 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 a wonderful experience. It, cha- it changed. It certainly changed me as a person. 
um, it made me much more um, better with people, if you know what I mean. I found that when I came out, it, I don't know what it was. I'm not religious. I'm not at all religious. But to me, it was like a little bit of a religious experience. And it changed me uh, for the better, I think, as a person. It made me appreciate things more. And when I came out, I'll never forget... Um, I, I, we didn't know if anybody had watched it. And then I remember when we went over, the, the producer said, well, said it will change your life. And certainly I'm in a job for life now after this uh, program. <laughs> and I remember filling my car up at Brent Cross and a dear old man, he must have been about 89 or something, came out and, and he put his arm around me and he said, do you know, you've done so much for our age group. And I thought, uh... well, I might be 20 years younger than you, but I know what you mean. And it's been it's so kind and I sat in the car with tears in my eyes I was so so emotional and people were so nice you know that was it that was the other thing too I mean you know the outpouring of love for you was just mm. wonderful and we I think it, it really did change our, our, our lives I mean it's extraordinary I'm uh, and I think that Ant and Deck do it so well. Oh, they do, yes. You know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen this year because, um, you know, with the pandemic, it's, it's still going to be a difficult one. And I, I didn't think that Wales, a cast in Wales, really set the place alight. No, I think there was too, too much room, if anything, actually. Everybody I was agree. Able to get away. I agree. Exactly. There was too much room because, the, you know, when you people say to you about that space you live in, it's tiny. Oh, yes. Absolutely tiny. And that's the idea of it, isn't it? Getting us all together to irritate one another. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that's yeah. what it's all about, really. They don't re I mean, in yours, I think you all got on very well. In ours, we didn't get on very well. I made sure I got on with everybody. But we had the most argumentative people in there. And it was like a children's playground for a lot of the time. It was wonderful television. And the producer said to me, as soon as we started rolling the cameras, we thought, this is gold. You know, when everybody was, everybody was arguing. And, uh, you know, it was it was dreadful. But I loved every moment of it, like you. It was great. But I think you all got on well, didn't you? Well, we did, except for, um, uh, what was her name, the model? Janice Dickinson. Janice Dickinson, that's right. Yes. Oh, she was vile. And she <laughs> thought she knew everything. And we were the last two in the, in the lineup. And she was convinced, as was I, that she'd won. And, of course, when she hadn't won, I'd won. And I won by a huge majority, the producers told me afterwards. She, she, that, she was off. She got in, you know, she wanted her car. She wanted to leave and go back to America. I tell you what, though, Chris, uh, seeing her in there with you, it was absolutely dynamite to watch. It was wonderful. You, you, I know that you didn't like her, and I thought she was, you know, I, I can understand why you didn't like her as well. Very strange human being, but it was interesting to watch. And that's what the show's about, really, isn't it? I think it is. And also, yeah. I, I let her know. I didn't hide yes, my feelings, no. you know, which was good. I mean, I let her know she was being awful to other people on the, on the show. Yes. But no, it was, it's, it's great. And of course, it changes your life completely. Oh, it does, yes. I mean, you know, I, um, my money went up and, uh, you know, there were lots of perks. You know, we were, we were asked to go on the, the last voyage of the Queen Elizabeth uh, ocean liner. And we, we went to Australia on her. It was fantastic. I mean, they were wonderful things. I, I didn't get that. Didn't you? <laughs> no. <laughs> I got, uh, let me see if I can show it to you. Wait a minute. I got presented, I got presented with um, a golden log. 
because uh, I collected a lot of logs by the BBC News Department. And that, that's what I got. And it was, it was uh, once again, one of those present... Uh, I seem to be presented with a lot of things that are, quite, that are moderately useless, but nevertheless, but it's, it's very sweet of people to do it. But it's... Uh, no, but I didn't... I must admit, well, you, you did very well out of that. I didn't get invited on board a cruise or anything. Uh, it was lovely. And of course, you, you were famous for your logs, weren't you? Yes, I collected a lot. And in fact, the producers told me that I collected so many logs that uh, they, we could have kept the fire going for another month after we left. And they had to take them down because they were obscuring the cameras. And when they took them down, uh, we, were out of, we were actually out of the, the campsite. And when I went back in and they weren't there, it broke my heart because I had to start collecting them all over again. We went, <laughs> and we went down by the side of the, I went down by the side of the stream that we had because we were in a different place to you. We were in Cairns. And um, I went down there and one or two of these logs I actually recognised and they, and they didn't show it, I don't think, but I actually talked to one and I said, uh, you are a lovely log, I love you. And I'm in a strange sort of way, I'm glad that I didn't burn you. <laughs> this is after a couple of weeks in there, you know. Oh, God. So you, you're, you or your uh, guests, uh, did Debbie go with you? No, she didn't. No, no. We didn't have any of that. You, I mean, it was the first one. We just went out there by ourselves. Um, ah. and, and that was it. You know, we didn't have anybody coming on at the end and, uh, you know, all the hugs and everything. So you didn't stay at the Versace Hotel then? Oh, no, no. We stayed. Uh, we were, as I said, we were in Cairns. We, were in the, we weren't in the same place as you. Uh, our place was beautiful and uh, it was lovely, but they moved it. Um, I think because of the weather or something, they moved it down to, I think you were near S Sydney, was it, or somewhere like that? No, we were near, uh, oh, I, it was in the Gold Coast. Oh, the Gold, yes, we were in the Gold Coast. Well, I think we were in the, we, we, I think there must have been another area of the Gold Coast. Oh, yes, Gold that was Coast. probably it, yes. Yes, no, we weren't, we weren't near any big cities. Uh, but the, the people, our, our relatives who went with us, they had a wonderful time, huge suites at the Versace Hotel, which was multicoloured, as you could imagine. It was good fun. I'm, I'm feeling really bad now because uh, you stayed at the Versace <laughs> Hotel. I stayed at a nice hotel, but I wasn't there for very long because I was in there all the time. Uh, you had a cruise. Uh, I was just given a golden log. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sort of beginning to hate you, Chris. <laughs> well, before the hate gets really bad, uh, I love you, Tony, and thank you so much for taking part. It's been fantastic, and thank you for your your uh, three items: the the, uh, the hat, which was, of course, I I, I wish mm -hmm. I had my hat still, uh, <laughs> but I don't. The photograph of Stevie Wonder, which I'm very envious of, yes, uh, which was fantastic. And then uh, what was the other thing? Flowers of the Rain, the, the the record. Oh yes, and and Flowers of the Rain, the record, uh, which is is great and uh, marvelous. You're, you're a joy to talk to. I've really enjoyed it. We've had a good laugh, and I'm proud to be a fellow King of the Jungle with you. Chris, thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Show and Tell podcast. If you want to hear more conversations like this one, make sure you follow Show and Tell with Biggins on the podcast provider of your choice. And if you'd be so kind as to tell your friends about the podcast, I'd be ever so grateful. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Biggins Podcast. Goodbye. Goodbye.